The Outsider Report podcast feed is brought to you by our brand new website, OutsiderReport.com. You can check out all of our articles and podcasts and subscribe to Outsider Report's newsletter by going to OutsiderReport.com. Please sign up for the newsletter. We'll send you a weekly update with everything that we've put up since the last newsletter so you won't miss a thing. Welcome to the Outsider Report podcast. I am Wilson Platt, Deputy Editor at Outsider Report, and I'm here with Jackie Yeski, also Deputy Editor. This is the glory. How are you doing, Jack? Doing well, excited. Uh, I would say I feel like we have a hang of this podcast thing, but it's really only podcast number three, so we probably don't. So we probably don't. <laughs> do you have your blanket on? What's the blanket status? I don't have my blanket on today, uh, though my upstairs neighbors are making quite a bit of noise, so... We might, we might have to go blanket at some point. I hope. I just blanketed it up, so we're good on my <laughs> <Yeah>. end. <laughs> we do them well. Uh, all right, today we're going to be talking about the timeline of Seattle area basketball, uh, in addition to a couple of things uh, such as hometown basketball talent in general and then also potential expansion draft. But first, this is the glory. You can hear us on the Outsider Reports podcast feed on iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher and uh, whatever else we're doing these days. Please make sure to subscribe to Outsider Report on whichever platform you use for listening to podcasts like this one. Also, uh, side note, it's not part of the script, but throw us a review if you can, um, because then we like look all legit and stuff, and it's kind of awkward when only your staff is reviewing. Uh, <laughs> also, if you haven't read Jack's article yet, no worries. You don't need to read the article to understand this pod, but be sure to check it out when you get a chance. So, Jack... Yesterday, you wrote about the timeline of Seattle area basketball. Can you give us a quick summary of the article? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, <clears throat> as all of you know, uh, hopefully, if you follow basketball at all, there's currently no professional basketball team in our wonderful city. But uh, I do think there's a, a space for a lot of basketball fans and. Um, I've written for other places and just on my own about the loss of the Sonics before, and I think it's a little played out. Uh, everybody knows we're really bitter and upset. Um, so I was trying to think of something creative that I could do um, that really was exciting to talk about and also looked at Seattle area basketball. And so I did the timeline um, as far back as I could go that both encompassed different players that were born in Seattle and played in Seattle, uh, the evolution of the Sonics, a little bit of information about University of Washington and Seattle U., um, and just general things that happened uh, in regards to the to basketball. So I think my first date was uh, a little before 1950, uh, and then all the way through most recently the you know, the current era. So just as a, a couple quick things before I get into my question, this was a incredible learning document for me. Uh, I liked the way you laid it out. It's like very straightforward. But I was wondering what the most interesting things for you were in, in this research. Like, what did you find out that like really surprised you? Uh, a couple things really stuck out to me. One, the lack of people who played basketball in Seattle prior to like the 50s and 60s. I mean, we <laughs> like, we have one person come out of the Seattle area based, and this is, you know, obviously there's not the greatest documentation of, of the NBA prior to the internet era, but um, per basketball reference, there's only one player uh, who came out of the entire state of Washington, uh, who played Whoa. in either the NBA or ABA. Um, for those of you who know what the ABA is, the American Basketball Association, which was merged with the NBA about 40 years ago. Um, and so there's only one player who came out of the whole state uh, prior to the 60s. 
Uh, and then I think the next thing that kind of stuck out to me was just... Prior um, to the 60s or prior to the 70s? Uh, prior to the, the late 60s. Got it. Um, and then the other thing stuck out to me, which is a, a random small fact, but Seattle University produced the most amount of NBA players uh, from 1960 to 1970, which is very random in that, as I just mentioned, not a lot of players were coming out of the area who were born there. Right. So I wonder what their recruiting tactic was like. Like, how are right. they getting all these future NBA like players? Elgin Baylor, a top 10 NBA player of all time, went to Seattle, went to Seattle U. U. Yeah. Why? Like, and, and who did they lose to in the championship game? Kentucky, uh, who Kentucky. is still a powerhouse, right? <laughs> so, like, that's, like, yeah. super random. Also, sh- just shout out to, I'm looking at 1967, the first Seattle basketball player to go to the NBA, Tom Workman, who, if I'm honest, is really a, a player-created name from a sports video game. Like, that dude can't be real. Tom <laughs> Workman? Like, mm-mm, not, yeah. not from me. Oh, shout-out to Blanchett there. Yeah, it's interesting uh, just that you look at it, you look at the timeline and, and all that stuff, but um, I think it's kind of cool. Uh, if you remember Glory Road, uh, they yeah, played dude. that game at, Se- in, at Seattle U. And I feel like doing this timeline, I love that movie, first of all. Oh, right. If you haven't seen it, I mean, it is movie. where we got our handshake from. Yeah, so <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, uh, it's incredible. You should watch it. Um, it's about um, uh, the first all-black uh, starting five in NCAA basketball. But essentially, you know, you were, I'm working through this research and I, I really ended up spending about five hours looking up random stuff about Seattle basketball. <laughs> um, I was just in a Starbucks for a really long time. But it was cool. It was cool to kind of like see that because obviously you watch in the in the glory uh, or in Glory Road, you see a few clips of CLU and it was neat seeing all these players and whatnot. So and then, of course, you get into the fun stuff and I really think the last 15 years and I know we're going to get into this but the last 15 years of Seattle basketball have been so fun like, like since Jamal got drafted yeah like really well I guess even 20 years you take the kind of starting with the Jason Terry Jamal right. um, era and then you go through Nate Robb and um, Brandon Roy and the guys who are in the NBA right now um, Isaiah Thomas, Tony, kind of, um, and the, the guys who are playing that are really explosive mm, tier, and fun. Tier. Yeah, small tier. Um, and they're really explosive and fun, and they're not boring basketball players, right? It's fun to be right. like, oh, all these, well, you go to the Seattle Pro-Am, part of the reason why I think it's so popular, other than the fact that we don't have a team, is that it's super flashy, right? If we had a bunch of players right. that were just fundamental um, <laughs> non-skill-oriented players, like 10 Nick Collisons, I don't think it'd be nearly as fun. Right. Or even like, I don't know, I think that there's something like wildly exciting about a Steph or a LeBron. And there's something like a lot less exciting about um, a Evan Turner. You know, like yeah. Evan, if Evan Turner was like the like Evan Turner mid-range specialist, for those of you who don't know who he is, like just kind of like herky-jerky, like awkward player who doesn't seem to be like really that good at any one particular skill. Like if he's your mascot, like basketball games aren't as fun. No, no. Although, hopefully, Evan Turner doesn't listen to this. If you listen, Evan, I really think you're a great basketball player. I, I just like you as a person, Evan. I think you're shit at basketball. <laughs> yeah, go, oh, come on. Brad Stevens Sorry, figured not, out how to use true. him. Although, Brad Stevens Yo, could make you, you his... a good NBA player, Wilson. I, right, uh, right. I'm pretty convinced he'd figure out a way to make you effective. So. Have you seen um, a random Evan Turner fact I saw? He plays for the Blazers this year, and he is notable because he had this quote before the season about how like the resurgence of the mid range is coming, and he basically like didn't back down from being like, uh, "I'm right for taking this shot all the time." 
and this year with him on the court, they're like negative 42. <laughs> so not been a great year for oh, Evan man. Turner. Not good at all. <laughs> There's surgeons of the mid range. Uh, yeah, not happening. Uh, you know, at okay, some so, point, we should build an all mid range NBA team. <laughs> Be headlined by like Dirk. And uh, the idea is to get like our team like moved away from the Seattle and like build a hated fan base. <laughs> yeah, a fan exactly. Base full of hate. Um, all right. So my first question for you that I thought immediately after reading this article um, was, why do you think there's such a similar model of player for? basically all the public school um, players that came out in the last like 20 years or so. Yeah, for sure. And for a little context for anyone who's not, I guess, intimately familiar with uh, Seattle high school basketball, which I probably most people, um, I guess fair. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> people, people like life, uh, but... Spencer Hawes, uh, Martel Webster, um, Avery Bradley all came out of uh, private schools in and around the Seattle area um, and they si- all turned out to be pretty boring NBA players. Exactly. Like all NBA defense, uh, all bench, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. Martel had one good year. He's, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll come back again. He's getting paid. Right. Uh, but then a lot of the public schools and especially public schools in the same area of Seattle, um, like Rainier Beach, Garfield, Franklin, um, produce players that are sort of these offensive minded, uh, supremely athletic, uh, flashy, you know, slam dunk champion type players, right? So we're talking about um, Nate Robinson, um, Jason Terry, Jamal Crawford, um, Tony. Thanks for Levine. his handles. Um, um, exactly. Also slam dunk champion. Terrence Williams, which is one we don't talk about a lot because he's out of the league now, but like, uh, what a force. Yeah, Peyton Siva, um, who's, who's mm-hmm. kind of in and around professional basketball right now. I, mean, I think Brandon Roy... A, a bit of an exception because he he really was a great role player his first couple of years at UW. But I still think, you know, when people think about Brandon Roy in the NBA, they think about the game winners. They think about the crazy shots in the playoffs. Like he has a lot of those same characteristics that I think make these other players exciting. He just happened to play more defense. Um, right. And also, so, B-Roy's high school, like all of B-Roy's teams have had those players on it. So whatever, like I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give B-Roy a pass. Yeah, I mean, I think Isaiah Thomas is is the perfect example. Him and him and Jamal really stick out to me as the perfect example because they're both. I mean, Jamal's made a name for himself as three time Sixth Man of the Year award winner, and Isaiah uh, is an All Star now. And they both don't play any defense, like not even attempting to play defense. Like Isaiah is just if you watch the Celtics play, um, Brad Stevens is just a wizard for being able to hide him because he's five six. Um, and he can't actually defend is he anyone. Real? Is that for real? Is he actually five six? I think I think he's somewhere between five seven and five nine. But I like who knows with the well, you know the way they do it. They give him right. Interest. Like he probably is five six. Wow. For if you're listening, think of someone you know who's five six, and then imagine them playing in the NBA. What in the world? He's just so tiny. Okay, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> it's That's awesome. a small man. I also it's love their man. family because like I'm, I'm obsessed with his Instagram because it's him and his wife who's smaller than he is. And then they've got their two boys and they're just like a, a miniature family. Uh, but he's an NBA all-star, uh, which is incredible. So it's same, same, yeah. same. So uh, anyway, so, yeah, so what is like, why, like, why is it like, what's, why do we have it like that? It's it's a good question. It's it's kind of funny to to think that there's this distinct style of player that comes out. But the elite will say, obviously, not every player in Seattle mm-hmm. is like that. But the elite mm-hmm. high school players, um, I don't 
I don't really know. I mean, you pl- you obviously played uh, basketball for four years uh, in, in high school, and so you might have some insight into it. I know watching, uh, from watching and following um, so, uh, high school basketball, uh, most of the teams that we're talking about do play, tend to play these really up-tempo, um, high-energy offenses where you're basically trying to have as many possessions as possible, but not in the... Not in the way the Rockets do it, where it's an analytical, let's try and choose many three-pointers as fast as possible. More of a, let's play a press defense, get the ball back as many times as possible, push the ball up the floor, and smother teams with our superior athleticism. So I don't know if that plays into it, where that's kind of how the inner city teams play. And then the difference of you know playing a lot of those east side teams that you would play against, where they're a little more methodical, slow the game down, let's work the half-court offense, get a good shot. I just thought of an idea that might be part of it that I think code like joins with yours as well. So the two-part idea. One is that the dominant teams of the past 15 years have all had exactly what you're saying, like this like up-tempo style. So if you're a dominant player on a dominant team, like you get really good at trapping and fast breaking and like those kinds of skills, which maybe lend towards athleticism and like the sharpening of offensive skills but not defensive skills. Um, but then my second thing that I was thinking about, something about AAU, is like select basketball. And something I've been hearing about a lot recently, which is that these guys play like all year round for their AAU clubs, but they don't practice a ton for them. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, there's very little focus on defense mm-hmm. because they like, they're just trying to get the most bang for their buck. And so I wonder if that's a big part of it too. Like when your practice all year round consists of mostly offensive skills, you know, like they're not running plays because they don't have enough time to like set, like grind out and teach plays. Like they're just trying to like build skills. Maybe those are the skills that you can get kids to buy into the most. I don't know why Seattle in particular, but um, that's a thought as well. I mean, I, yeah, so that, that totally makes sense. And I totally agree with that. It, the second part is also what's curious, though, is that, may, that makes sense on a national level, right? On that, that this would be a common right. trend in AAU. But I mean, these guys, and, and we're not just, we're not making this connection, uh, you know, pulling it out of our butts here. This is a real weird thing that there are so many of these guards that don't play defense. Uh, right, because, well, because what's crazy is that there's not very many of those guards in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like that. Like that's what's weird is that very few people get to the NBA at all, and then even fewer of them are able to play in the NBA while being this one cast of character. Um, or maybe it kind of started with Crawford and Terry, and like because yeah, those guys happen to be that type of player, then all the guys who followed them have been like that. Because you look at a guy like Tony, and you know even Zach Levine, like they have the bodies to be great defenders, right? And I mean mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas. At some point, he just cannot play defense against a six-four guard. Like he's right, not going right. to be able to. But a guy like Tony, well, you've seen flashes um, in person, and he—I think he won when he was on the 18U USA team. He he won Defensive Player of the Tournament. Right? right? No, you're right. You're right. So he could do it. <laughs> I think it's just the culture of the the teams that they happen to come out of. And I mean, Zach Levine, another guy who I hopefully Tibbs turns him into a monster defender uh, because he could be with his athleticism. Right. But it's just an interesting trend. So, Like, right, when you have, when you have role models yeah, that made it in a particular can, way. I'm not sure if we can solve it. Right. Word. Can you still hear me? Heads up? Yep. Okay, cool. 
Uh, all right, let's move on to the next topic, which is um, if you had a hometown, like a bum town, for example, shout out to last week's pod, um, and you got to choose what style of player, like what style all your friends or all like the other kids from your city that went on to be good basketball players had, what style would you choose? So this is a really fun game to play that I feel like we unintentionally play all the time where we just talk about our favorite teams. Uh, okay. But I think the NBA right now is true. If we want to talk top down, right? So if you're talking about what style of player would you like, we think about the NBA, what works in the NBA. And obviously it's trending toward this, um, you know, kind of three and D uh, run the fo- spread the floor four round mm-hmm. one, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to say about it. I would actually really love to have a bunch of players like Tony Allen, like Bruce yeah. Owen. I like was guys, totally going to agree with this. I was going guys, exactly the same way. You guys who are just like ferocious defenders, very questionably offensively, and do really interesting things on and off the court. It like Matt be, Barnes. Oh my goodness. How fun would that be? If that was what your, your small town was known for, it was just producing right. these guys who were just crazy good defenders and made it to the NBA basically on the fact that they could lock down whoever the other team's best player was. Also, it would just make for such hilarious basketball. Like everyone's so good at defense, like just like every, every basket would be a celebration. It'd be like the Seahawks Cardinals game the other night right. where like it's a six, six tie. We play like the, the high school, the, the state championship game would be like 17, 15, 17 to 15. Yo, go back to the old days. Yeah. Just complete, you know, get rid of all the new rules about hand checking and whatnot and just let them go to town on each other. That'd be hilarious. Have a bunch of like, who's phenomenal like defense is tall in the NBA right now. But, um, oh, like, go bear, like a bunch maybe. of An- Andrew Bogets. Yeah, or like Whiteside. Right, right, right. That'd be awesome. I, I agree. I think I'm with you on that. Um, and speaking of basketball styles, a really fun thing that Jack and I have been kicking around for a while is this idea of what if we did an expansion draft on the current NBA teams to give a team to Seattle? And what would that team even look like? So Jack's going to outline some of the rules of for real, for real expansion draft. So if y'all don't know, back in 2000, what, Jack? Charlotte Bobcats? Uh, I think they were 2000. I think the draft was 2004, 2005. So the draft would have taken place in 2004. So back in 04, the NBA literally had an expansion team, the Charlotte Bobcats. And they had an expansion draft where they took players from other teams, literally, and put them on their team. And then bada bing, bada boom, they became a new team. For Seattle fans... The closest thing you can think about that is the Sounders. This actually happened to the Seattle Sounders in the MLS like five or six years ago. We were an expansion team. We got extra picks. and We got to steal players from all these teams. So Jack's going to go through the rules. Yeah, so this is uh, this could be happening very soon, which is very exciting. Not necessarily for Seattle, though they would be a top candidate, especially with the new deal for an arena being approved, which is awesome. Uh, so we could build a new arena if we were given an NBA team. And the new collective bargaining agreement, there is some speculation that it could leave space for an expansion team. So if you're interested in that type of stuff, the internet is a great resource. Uh, Wilson and I are not going to dive into it. But um, mm-hmm. these are the rules that were used for the Charlotte draft. And so hypothetically, they would be similar. Uh, it's possible there could be some slight changes. So uh, it happens right after the NBA finals. 
Um, you select a minimum of 14 players uh, from other teams who are under contract or restricted free agents. So uh, I'm sure most people know what restricted free agent is, but it basically means that the team who they're, they were formerly on before their contract ended has exclusive rights to sign them if they match the highest offer they get. Um, Got it. The, uh, the, we'll just say the Sonics. The Sonics would not be able to select more than one player from each team. They can only select players that are left unprotected, uh, and each of the teams would be able to protect a maximum of eight players on their roster. So if I have 12 mm-hmm. players on my roster, I can protect eight of them for being selected by the draft. Um, so we get the scrubs. We get the scrubs. Um, basically, we, but, basically, we have to play Ender from Ender's Game. <laughs> yes. Also, great shout out uh, to a great book. Uh so the, the NBA teams get to choose their players who are eligible for selection. So each uh, general management would choose them. But if they don't have eight players on its roster, they still have to designate at least one player who's eligible. So oh, if they only had seven players that were still under contract, Ooh. they'd still have to delegate one. So like we maybe should take a look at the Cavs at some point because they generally, like those the highest functioning teams don't have players that are contracted far beyond the year. Yeah, so a that bunch of one-year deals. Exactly. Right. Um, any player right. under contract uh, that we would select would immediately be put on our roster. Um, <laughs> and any eligible um, restricted free agent uh, would that we select would automatically become an unrestricted free agent. Um, we cannot draft unrestricted oh. free agents, but oh. we can bid for them. Whoa. whoa! So whoa. with everyone else, so I mean, it's just so if for we can, example, but we, we can met, change their status. Yeah, like if, we, for example, we, can we, we thought like like Kevin Durant is going to be a restrict. Let's imagine he was a restricted free agent for Golden State next year. We could be like, well, KD, you owe us one. We're going to make you unrestricted because we think that you would still sign with us. Mm-hmm, exactly, and then we would have whoa. to get him to sign with us, though. So we could have been right. we could have been in the KD sweepstakes last year, though we wouldn't have had much to offer. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's yeah, that's the way it works. Uh, we can trade. Uh, we can off we we can enter pre expansion draft trades uh, that we can send either players, which I don't know that we have great players to trade, or draft picks. Um, there isn't a precedent. I think for Toronto in 1995, they selected a really good player uh, with their first one of their first picks who refused to go play for them. So then what? they then traded him to the Warriors for four other players. Um, so you, you can do stuff like that. Uh, he didn't show up to training camp, and then they traded him. So Dude, what a beast, <laughs> yeah. savage. Uh, so essentially, it's that we're not going to really get into the salary cap stuff. There, we especially with the new salary cap, I cannot imagine that we would have any problems. Um, we would probably have a right. problem with the salary floor, but we're gonna we're gonna follow these rules roughly. Uh, we are going to do our best. We're also just gonna have fun with it, and obviously, we don't know exactly which teams, what players, teams would protect. So we're gonna have to do a lot of hypothesizing. So I want to ask this question first. Hmm. What are we gonna change the Sonics name to? Because I, I like have a lot of nostalgia for the Sonics, but I think that name is super dumb. So what else? Could we be the Seattle Seagulls? The Seagulls? Oh no! <laughs> I don't know if we want to be the Seagulls. Uh, it's just like a knockoff of the Seahawks, but much mm, much less intimidating. Mm. 
sea sea savages. The that sea go, savages. Done. Holy moly! Can you imagine how much better that is than every other name in the league? Oh, well, but the, the Sonics are so classic, right? So I I think they're good. If we can bring back the Sonics, I'm pretty sure they're going to go back to the Sonics. What about the Sonic Savages? Dude, the logo, the Sonics logo is arguably one of the best five logos of all time. Like it's Perfect. so. You don't have to change so anything great. for the Savages. Maybe add a spear in. <laughs> Just right through the ball. Right. Uh, uh, it might have some negative social justice connotations, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Anyways, let's move forward. Cool. Uh, so basically, what Wilson and I wanted to do today was kind of get the draft started um, to give you a. Uh, you know, sneak preview of our next podcast. We will be continuing this exercise because we don't have quite enough time to do it all today. Uh, but we want to uh, do a couple things. One, give you an example of how we're going to go through and look at teams that are uh, deciding which protected players to protect. So we'll pretend to be the GMs for those teams. We also want to choose a coach and talk a little bit about the culture we would try to build. So, Wilson, where would you like to start? Uh, let's start... I don't want to get too excited about what our team is actually going to be. So let's start with uh, like figuring out which players are available thing. Okay, cool. Uh, well, let's start with the Boston Celtics then. Um, we All are right. going <clears> to <throat> demo a couple teams, like I said. Uh, we just picked a couple teams that we thought would be pretty easy and that we would likely choose players from because they're so deep. Um, so currently so, on the Celtics depth chart... Um, we have Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowther, Amir Johnson, Al Horford, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Jonas Drebko, Tyler Zeller, Gerald Green, Marcus Smart, James Young, Jordan Mickey, Kelly Olenek. Uh, and, Hold on. And D. Jackson. And D. Jackson, who I don't actually know who D. Jackson is. Gerald Green is back on the Celtics? Gerald Green is, in fact, on Celtics. And he's actually in the rotation. What a phenomenal pickup by them to make them like way more fun. Yeah, as if they weren't fun enough already. Um, well, I mean, like to the average basketball player, like, ooh, they bought, they got a superstar, Al Horford. Like, Al Horford is one of the nicest guys, one of my favorite players I can imagine playing with, and also one of the least interesting basketball players. Oh, just so boring, but he's so perfect for them. I, <laughs> what's, what's funny is, if I look at this roster right now, my number one pick that I'd like to take from them is Brad Stevens. Um, I don't think it works like that where if they don't protect the coach that we right, could take right. him. But we would be Dude, guaranteed would, to make the playoffs. They wouldn't even think about it. Yeah, we just snipe Brad Stevens. Even, we'd be like, oh, gotcha. Okay, so, but for real, for real, the people we think they're taking are? So the absolute, absolute, I think, must that they would protect are Isaiah Thomas, Horford, mm-hmm. Jay Crowther, mm-hmm. Avery mm-hmm. Bradley, mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Brown, Tyler yep, Zeller. Pick this year. Yep. I would say are my my absolute six, and then we probably. So I think Jarebko too, because I just based on the way their team works, didn't they just draft him this year? No, oh, he no, was he's, last he's, year. He no, he's been year. just kidding. He's been in the league for a while. Um, I think I, I got to imagine that Marcus Smart or at least one of Marcus Smart or James Young gets picked because. They were just fixed last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, Marcus Smart, I think we have to put in there. Drebko, uh, sorry, I confused Drebko with that other. They, they took that other European guy, but he's not on their roster right now because he's, I think, just a protected player overseas. Um, Wait, so, Jack, hold on one second. My mm-hmm. little brother is, seems to be talking to me. What's up, dude? Jack, do you want to say hello to the podcast? Oh, we have come, a just featured come. guest. Yeah. Hey, so the fans, this is uh, Baby Jack? No. 
no, 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 not baby Jack. <laughs> little Jack. This is little Jack, um, cousin to Big Jack, also my seven-year-old little brother. Jack, say what's up to the podcast, homies. What's up? <laughs> uh, there we go. That is Jack, um, I'm going to be doing this for a little while longer, and then I'll come say what's up, okay? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, we should ask. We should ask Little Jack what he thinks if about the Celtics protecting players. Dude, um, I'll tell you what. Recording a podcast under a blanket is a whole new experience when you start to feel tremors on the couch next to you. <laughs> it's like, what is oh, going man. on here? Um, so let's say okay. So we're gonna say smart, and then do we think James Young? I think that's a toss up between Olenek, James Young, uh, Terry Rozier. So I say that I don't think they protect Gerald Green. They don't protect Jarebko. I mean, I don't know. I don't have contracts in front of me. I can't imagine that Gerald Green's on more than a one or two year deal. Yeah. And I don't I, think they protect I, Rogier. So I think it's between Young and Olenek. Which I feel like they got, they're doing Young. Okay. So then we're left with the options of Rogier, Olenek, Jordan Mickey, Gerald Green, Gerald Green. Jonas Jarebko. <sighs> I mean, so we don't have to. We don't have to go through this right now. I mean, we can. This is. We're just previewing how we would do this, and so we don't have to make okay. a final decision. Okay. So then those would be our, our picks. Then we would have to decide. Okay, like what kind of team do we want? Do we want like a really fun, exciting team, picking Gerald Green? Do we want a young team with high upside, Terry Rozier? Do we want like a, a team where everyone can shoot threes, Kelly? Yeah, a team with tall white people with long hair, probably Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> my, a my team, with, type of team with Disney Channel names, Jordan Mickey. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh man, the Mickey Mouse is um, awesome. So that's an example of there. Uh, I mean, I just at kind of at first glance, I would probably, I would probably lean Kelly Olynyk or Rogier. Um, I'm, uh, it'd be hard for me not to pick G Green. <laughs> I just, he's just so old. Yeah, is he though? But but does he still have bounce though? I think that's the real important question. Yeah, I'm gonna have to after this is over, I'm gonna turn on the Celtics game and see. Does Joe Green still have bounce? Okay, next Um, next line. Should we let's move to the Utah Jazz? Okay, well let me pull it open. Yeah, you can start on it. uh, From this this depth chart, we have George Hill, Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson. Man, Joe Johnson, love him. Uh, Boris Diha, Rudy Gobert, Shelvin Mack, Dante Exum, Joe Ingles, Trey Lyles, Derek Favors, Joel Balombe. Gordon Hayward, Joel Balombe, boy, uh, Alec Burks, uh, Raul Zinho, Nato, and Jeff Withy. Wow. So we Joel Balombe. <laughs> this one uh, will go through eight protected, uh, probably George Hill, Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson, Gobert, um, Exum, favors. Exum favors Hayward, and then it gets really tricky because. And I, right. really, I might even go back on Johnson. It's I, I don't know. So Dia, I even though I, he's starting for them right now, I don't think they would protect Dia. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I, 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 I think that it would be hard for. I, it's hard for me not to imagine they protect Alec Burks. Yeah, and they just took Burks. Right, like a couple, like within the last couple of years, and he's been yeah. good for them. He was a. Uh, I think he was eleven. Hold on. Two thousand twelve. Wait, wait, wait. We're missing a player on this. Did they deal him? Who, Trey Burke? Whatever happened... Yeah, what happened to Trey Burke? Yeah, he doesn't play for them anymore. Um, I believe he plays for... The Wizards. Plays for the Wizards now. Yeah, you're right. Interesting. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Okay. Um, So they... Okay. I think it's Alec Burks, dude. So you think they protect him? Yeah, which would leave us Shelvin Mack, 
Joe Inglis, Boris Diaw, Trey Lyles, Joel Balomboy, Jeff Withy, and Walzino Nato. Yeah, who... I, a lot of people. That is a lot of people, and this is why I wanted to talk about them, because they're kind of fun. Uh, I, I mean, I'm initially all about Fat Boris. Like, if I'm starting an expansion team and I want to build a I, good culture, I want Boris Diaw on my team. Right, he played I want for, everyone out of shape. He played for the Steve Nash Suns. He played for the Spurs organization. Like, he knows how to play the game. He'd be an awesome mentor to any good young draft picks we get. Like, I... And we need to eat up cap space side, somehow. On the flip side, Trey Lyles is 20 years old, 7 feet tall, and averages like 10, 2, and 2. Which feels like a good place to start. He's 20. He's only 20 years old. Well, it's also possible they would protect him instead of Burks. Dude, so. he's from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. <laughs> Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. It's the first time I've ever said that word out loud. Um, <laughs> just read it looks it way easier when you're just reading it. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, so that's like a little demo where we would go there. But that's like, a, I'm excited to get back to them in, for real. Yeah. What's up with San Antonio? Let's yeah. Let's do. Let's just do this as the last one. I want yeah, to good. talk about San Antonio mostly because I want Marple to hear this and get scared about who his team would lose. Who he would so. take? Oh my goodness! I'm already <laughs> so terrifying. excited looking at this. Yeah. All right, so, Tony Parker. You read it out. Okay, we got Tony Parker, uh, Kyle Anderson, slow mo. Uh, they protect Kyle, so we get Tony, Kyle, Kawhi, obviously Lamar, um, Jonathan I'm, Simmons. Mm-hmm. Manu. Uh, see, so then, I, so well, then it's interesting, right? So even after those five, and this is what's interesting about the Spurs to see who they would protect because Powell, obviously, they just went out and spent some money on. But would they protect him, or would they protect, you know, Manu? Would they protect Patty Mills, like some of these guys who've been in their organization for a while, right? Um, who've done, who've so done a lot of things. We got those five, and we get they they get to pick protect eight. They get to protect eight. Um, speaking Let's of, imagine. by the way, a quick shout out to Jonathan Simmons, who's just been an absolute monster this year. And if you don't know his backstory, like he's basically he basically like, I was actually who is Jonathan Simmons? Uh, you have not been watching any NBA basketball. Uh, no, 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 no. I've been like I I know like him for his oh, for his basketball his dunks this year and for his basketball, but I don't know what he's from. So he started playing a little bit for them last year. Uh, he basically has. He works, uh, and Austin and I were talking about this the other day, how awesome his backstory is, but he um, was undrafted, he bounced around a little bit, got cut from a couple teams, and he's playing for work. Like, he is he's playing because he needs the money to support his family, and is now finally, as so many players have, uh, finding his stride wow. with the Spurs, and they basically converted him to this exceptionally athletic wing player, uh, who can lock guys down, and now he's starting to score a little bit, which is awesome to see, and hit threes. So um, it will be interesting to see when Danny Green comes back, if Danny Green, because you know Danny right. Green had that eye surgery uh, over the oh, summer. Good. So apparently last year, like part of the reason why he couldn't for, shoot. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that's next up for being like, you can't take Adderall, you also can't like have eye surgery. <laughs> like, I feel like <laughs> having like a super like a human eye feels maybe unfair. Well, so he, he couldn't see right. Like, he needed the eye surgery. And so that was part of the reason why his shooting apparently was down a lot last year. So we'll see how he is when he comes back. But they could have a really good trade piece or just a great lineup to combat the Warriors if you roll out Danny Green, Simmons, and Kawhi all at the same time. That's a lot of length. Danny Danny Green, Simmons, Kawhi, LaMarcus. 
And then Patty? I honestly think I think Patty. I was about to say I yeah, think that's your Tony. best that's your best lineup right there. So all right, we're getting sidetracked. But yeah. anyway, this this will be an interesting one. I think we're actually because they also have um, Dejounte Murray, who we both also oh, yeah, love what? being out, even... out of Seattle. Yeah, ooh, it'd be hard not to take him, bro. He's so good. Well, I think they protect him. I, he he was their first round draft pick this year. I think he was originally supposed to go top ten in the draft, and because there's an excess of point guards, he fell to twenty eighth or whatever they took him at. So, so I, I don't, let's just I think guess. They protect let's him. guess who they're they're protecting. Give me give me your. I think thought. they protect Murray. I think so. I think they go Danny Green. We're working from the bottom up. Danny Green, Murray, um, Simmons, Jonathan Simmons, Lamarcus, Kawhi, Kyle Anderson, Tony Parker, and then that eighth. Um, I mean, I think you make a qu- case for Deadman. You can make a case for Manu, but Manu's so old. Would I think they just leave it up to chance? They'd put it. It basically they'd be their right. challenge to us. Do you really want to take Manu, who's forty years old, on your team? That's a um, yeah. Just take Pow over. They probably take Pow over Manu, and so there's your eight, and they probably leave right. Manu unprotected. So then that leaves us with Deadman, Patty. Burton's, who I've never heard of, David Lee, Lapbrook. Here's an interesting one. We got somebody named Bryn Forbes, which I'm pretty sure is a college, so I, I'm he's, not sure how they're the, getting him to play for him. He's from uh, Michigan State. Mm, uh, he was their exceptionally three-point shooter uh, over the last couple years. So and then we have, he's apparently been shooting really well in like camp and practice. And then we have so Nicholas Laprovitola, who's from Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires. Interesting. That feels like the same word said twice. (laughs) Um, Weird. Um, Okay, so who? Okay, this is an interesting question because just like as a quick little dive into it, the Spurs took a player who was already known as a shooter. And if y'all don't know, Spurs have the best shooting coach on the face of the planet in the history of the planet. His name is Chip England, and he probably could teach me to shoot. Uh, he could probably teach a rock to shoot. Um, he so certainly, the, the idea he that certainly taught somebody how to shoot. Right. Who was basically a, a, like an android rock. So like what? Um, an android chiseled from rock. Uh, so like the thought that they took someone who was already a three-point specialist, it's like, feels like they must know something. I don't. I don't. Well, that's why I'm comfortable taking basically any player drafted by the Spurs. Because... <laughs> I know that yes. they are good. I might not know why, but I know they're good. <laughs> so, awesome. Uh, well, we will certainly come back to that and discuss it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will. what we'll be doing, just so all of our listeners know, is prior to our next podcast, we'll be going through and figuring this out for every team off air. And we just wanted to give you a window in and how that will work. And then when we come back, we'll just talk about the protected player, or the unprotected players, hypothetically, and uh, decide which ones we would draft. And when we come back, the first thing we'll talk about is who our coach pick is. Spoiler alert, it's revolutionary. Oh, well, we haven't fully decided yet, but it could be very revolutionary. So. It's going to be, I, whatever we decide, it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to be revolutionary. And we'll talk um, a little bit about our culture uh, of the team that we're going to build, because I essentially want a Seattle San Antonio. So, Is that what you want? Oh, see, I... I think that was as good as that team would be. I also am wondering about like 
do we like make a team that would just be the most fun team to root for ever? So that like even when they were bad, they would still be fun to like root for? Questions, questions and answers. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyways, y'all. Um, let me just pull up the script real quick. You're not supposed to tell them it's a script. You're just supposed to it's let not them a, think that it's all a, of us it's say the men- same thing. It's off a the mental top of our script. Head. Yeah, that's what happens. Um, no, Jonathan uh, everybody, just thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for listening to the filler podcast. I mean, the glory podcast. Um, this was our filler episode. Check out outsiderreport.com to stay up on our latest articles and podcasts. You can also subscribe to our newsletter so you'll never miss a thing by going to outsiderreport.com. Also on Monday, Alex Manessis is writing about college football and then he and Austin Marple will be talking about it on Crew of Two on Tuesday. Wow, such a good name. F. Uh, so be sure to read and listen to those. Thank you as always for listening to The Glory on Outsider Report's podcast feed and please be sure to subscribe to the feed whichever platform you use. Da-ding, da-ding. Thanks, y'all. See you later. Later and a sneak uh, sneak little hint Wilson and I might be coming out with a uh, podcast before our official next one so stay tuned for that it's gonna be awesome deuces later bye